Welcome to the Green Majority Podcast. Thank you for downloading our show. Uh, I'm not going to take too much of your time today because we have a fairly laid back show and I don't want to put a huge, long, serious intro on a laid back show. But just another reminder as we're going to the holiday season that we do currently have an application out for a uh, producer uh, and as well as some volunteers, um, some of that uh, some of that will be uh, paid. Uh, some of that is also to be decided. We're going to see what's happening. We're going to see who applies and what their skills are, but there is some money uh, to help us produce the show. If you didn't hear the announcement, there will be a, a link on today's show post that will link back to the episode that basically explains it all, so I won't go through it all here. Uh, but two things. One, reminder that that is a thing. It is still available until uh, the second week of January, so check that out. Check the show post at greenmajority.ca uh, for today's show for the info you need about that. And of course, if you're uh, in a holiday spirit right now and you feel like becoming Green Majority member, you can help us support that new initiative where we're going to get some uh, paid producer help, uh, or just because you're feeling merry. Uh, you may go to patreon.com, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash Green Majority and sign up to be a member today. Either way, enjoy the weather, have a good holiday, and uh, we'll be back with another live show next week, but it will probably also be fairly laid back. Enjoy. Welcome, you're listening to this holiday edition of the Green Majority. It is snowing outside just in time for me to be able to say that without a sarcastic <laughs> comment about climate change. Yeah, exactly. Good morning, Stefan. How you doing? Well, good afternoon, depending on where you are. Good evening. Uh, and good night. Good 2 a.m., good <laughs> wherever wherever you may be listening. I'm your host, Aaron Kester. Of course, Stefan Hostetter is here, and Megan is in the studio. This uh, show is being recorded on a Friday that happens to be, I don't have my clock in front of me, it's the 15th day. Yeah. Look at that. So we're just getting into the holiday season. Uh, it is also the season for, for those of you within that age range where there's a lot of work holiday parties. We, for instance, had ours yesterday. Yeah. So what we're going to do... Um, just because we're, I think, you know, Stefan, you and I have been working pretty hard. And I think everyone's been working pretty hard. It's that like little rush that comes in right before the, uh, before the holidays. So we're going to, we're going to do something that, that is necessary from our point of view, which is <laughs> that we're exhausted. Um, uh, but also we think that like, it would also be just sort of good to sort of take off the, like go from like the nine alarm fire down to like a two alarm fire. Mm. Um, just cause, you know, I feel like this is part of the season we need to have a little bit of a break so that's my long way of saying that i'm really looking forward to i look forward to doing the holiday shows because i sort of it's a time when we can just sort of like chat yes. Stefan, i feel like we never just chat anymore <laughs> why don't we why don't we speak right oh right it's because we're both crazy busy. Right. Yeah. um but so here's the thing so we just we're not really going to do news stories today mm. we are there's going to like it's going to reference news stories but i'm what i'm really interested in doing is uh Stefan and i just wanted to like just have a chat uh, so my sort of loose topic today was was hinging off a couple of pieces of news that I'm going to try and string together uh, over the next couple of minutes. And the first one is, is well, I was going to say seemingly off topic. No, it is entirely off topic. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it was something that made me really think, which is that if uh, any of you were paying attention to American news over the last week, um, there was a very tense for a whole bunch of different reasons Senate race in the U.S., uh, with this absolutely despicable human being, uh, Roy Moore, uh, who's a re Republican, who's been accused of all sorts of hideous things by all sorts of people, enough people that I think we're pretty safe to say that it's probably true. Well, and, and some of these things he just actually said, you know, right? Like there's 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 the actions that he definitely did, and then there's also the things he just is he believes directly, right. which is like he is of the opinion. This is this one random fact. He's of the opinion that no one of non-Christian faith can serve in. Uh, can serve in should should be allowed to serve in in the United States uh, because they they can't swear on the Bible. Right. Well, no, the, it was actually really funny because a campaign spokesman for Roy Moore was being interviewed on uh, CNN. That's a video. And uh, yeah, you saw the one I was yeah. talking about. Uh, so, and the guy's like, "Well, here's why: because they, you know, he can't, he can't. The 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 spokesman for Roy Moore is, is telling the interviewer, uh, you know, they're like, apparently, you know, can you explain Roy Moore's position that this um, uh, person of Muslim background can't serve in the U.S. Senate? And he's like, "Well, they have to swear on a Bible, and you know, if the person's not Christian, then it then it's sort of it doesn't mean anything, and so that's why they can't serve." And the and the interviewer was like. 
what are you talking about? It's like, the law doesn't say you have to swear on the Bible. It says you have to swear on something. It's like, you can be a stack of newspapers. Like, do you actually know what the law is? And the spokesman, like, quite clearly actually thought that was the law and was like, in real time, you're watching him go, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, he just quite stares funny. blankly at the camera for about yeah. 15 seconds. Uh, but so, I mean, the, and that's, that's only a, among a long list of hideous yes. things. And in addition to being of that really tired position that generally only old people have now, uh, that like being gay is a lifestyle choice. Um, it's not. Um, and a whole bunch of other things. Never mind the fact of dating underage girls. And co- dating is, of course, in quotes. Yeah. Um, and all sorts of other hideous things. We're not, I didn't really, I, I don't want to talk so much about Roy Moore as much as about the race, though. Um, because he was defeated by, in some to in some ways of looking at it, a very very narrow margin. Um, but he but he was defeated by a Democrat in Alabama uh, for I believe the first time in something like twenty five or more years. It was, yeah, it's, it's a very it's large yeah. number. There's at least two digits in this number. I don't have it in front of me. Well, I think that in the la- I think it's the la- first Democrat to win in a statewide election since something like 2004 but 2004 was some very low level position it was like it was like state comptroller or something it was right like, right it was right. like it, it was like that's a relatively powerful position but from the standpoint of like it's not a senator it's not a senator <laughs> yeah okay and uh, and so anyway the, the, it, we're not doing a show about Alabama politics today but the reason I wanted the reason I was thinking about it um, was because when they're going through the analysis, of course, you know, everyone was very, very nervous because this this lunatic <laughs> looked for a long time like voters were going to ignore all the hideous things about gays and about people who weren't Christian and about basically anyone who wasn't an evangelical Christian from the South. Um, it reminds me of this Emo Phillips joke. I'll get back to you later. Um, uh, you know, and never mind that, never mind of being a pedophile. Um, and... You know, and and looked for a while like he was he was gonna win anyway, and uh, and he didn't. But why he didn't, I think, is that's the thing that I want to talk about. So he was defeated largely when they were doing the breakdown of the the poll analysis. There was uh, essentially three groups that stood out that that made up the coalition that that helped Doug Jones, the Democrat, defeat the hideous monster of uh, that is Roy Moore. Um, it, that's a uh, uh, Comma space, by the way. I'm not <laughs> not necessarily all Republicans are hideous monsters. Right. Roy Moore is a hideous, hideous yeah, monster of human being. Um, <clears throat> three groups: uh, people under 30, so Republicans, but under 30, uh, Republican women of any age, and people of color. Are those are the three groups that essentially showed up to get this over the top and to get rid of this? To just remove Roy Moore from politics. <laughs> And it's important for it's important to note um, that a uh, sorry white men <laughs> still sucking politically speaking in the South. Um, we're not gonna. This isn't a show about picking on white men specifically, but in Alabama, still like eighty percent. I think it was seventy-five percent voted for a pedophile. For yeah, yeah, seventy-five percent uh, because he's Christian. So therefore, obviously, yeah, it's either fine or. But well, let that, you know, let's let's. You could get into like Doug Jones, also a Christian, right? This is like <laughs> this is not a contest of which one of these two, like these two dudes, was a Christian or not. This is the weird thing that American politics has decided to do, in which evangelical means Republican, yeah, uh, for truly unknown reasons, <laughs> right? So it's it's there's a there's a few things that I think from that. I think that's enough background information to make the point I wanted to make, which is that one. Um, the, the the key factor to pull out there, one of the key factors to pull out there is, of course, the youth, which is that even self-identified Republicans, we'll see for how long they're self-identified Republicans, but generally the younger generation uh, is not buying any of that nonsense. And uh, overwhelmingly, um, the positions are shifting. The, the country as a touch point, as one reference, uh, is generally a lot more progressive. If you actually go and and look at actual polling on specific issues. If you say, how do you feel about socialized medicine? How do you feel? They don't call it that, but essentially just for the sake of clarity, what we're talking about, things like, I don't know, the crazy ideas like what Canada has. <laughs> Even that's too much. It's Well, you know, apparently it's falling apart. But uh, these are, if you actually go issue by issue, um, I don't know whether, I, I can't say whether or not it's it's ignorance or some sort of 
they they don't want to admit it or there's uh, who who's to say why but the, the the media never actually talks about it this but if you actually go issue by issue generally um there's a lot more progressive values it's just that there's i think to some degree been a, a bit of a, a you know being in favor of things when it's phrased a certain way has become a dirt and word like oh socialized anything with socialized medicine and you can scare people away from it but if you just ask about the details of that thing and you don't put any of those buzzwords that people have had like you know fear mongered they're like oh yeah i love that I don't want to pay for, I, you know, I, I love the idea that after a certain age, I don't have to worry about, you know, getting sick and, and dying because I can't afford stuff because I'm not working. That's a great idea. And then you turn around and ask the same question and be like, how do you feel about socialized me medicine? You're like, damn, socialism. Well, it's, it, it, it comes from the same place where, where, you, where you can chant the sentence, uh, keep the government's hands off my Medicare. Exactly. It's well, like, okay. That's my favorite sign ever. <laughs> um, so that's the thing. So just like generationally, there's, there's a shift going on. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the internet, which is why I'm, I'm one of the other things I wanted to tie this into was I don't, uh, I, I haven't actually paid attention. We were very busy yesterday and I don't know what happened. Do you know what happened with the FCC vote? Uh, yeah, they did the bad thing. They did the bad thing. <laughs> the, uh, whichever vote specifically around this, they moved closer towards ending net neutrality. Right. I think. So, so that's, they, yeah, that's one of the things. I mean, part of the reason why this particular generation is sort of accelerating, uh, away from those older traditions, I think faster is due to things like the internet, for instance, because people can, instead of just being insulated in their community value. So if you live in a town that's 20,000 people and, you know, 19,500 of them are all evangelical white Christians, then there's probably not pre-internet. There was very, very little chance you were ever going to hear about anybody else's point of view. Uh, but due to the internet, people can say something like, that doesn't sound right. I'm going to check on my phone. And like, oh, wait, five minutes later, like, turns out I was right. And here I can prove it. Or turns out I was wrong. Oh, no, um, I should look more into this. And that that I think is that we've talked about that before, but I think that's like a really critical um, sort of turning point, which is why this issue about the net neutrality is so important. But there's still there's a trend here where sort of people there there's an entire generation of people that learned that the things that their parents think aren't necessarily true, and that they have the ability and the capacity to go out and and make up their own minds. Something that previously was possible, but generally only for people that could afford you know fancy educations. Um, you know, go moving away from your parents and in, in an academic environment where your beliefs were challenged was was really the only way to do that. Now anybody can do that. A ten year old can do it by boring mom's iPhone, um, and I think that's really important. So the 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 theme from that I think is that we're going to win eventually. <laughs> That's sort of my point is that it, uh, to some degree there's I think a little bit of solace to be taken is that as far as like <clears throat> uh, renewable energy, uh, as far as uh, creating a more dignified <laughs> world, creating things like uh, not having wars because it's profitable, the, all these sort of progressive issues and I would just say just like moral issues <laughs> frankly. Um, I think we're, we're going to win eventually. It's really just a matter of timing. And I think, you know, this FCC decision aside, um, we'll see what happens with that. We'll see if Trump gets impeached next Thursday and, <laughs> and if, if there's some switch up, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think generally the tide of history is with us. It's, of course, just a matter as we and we've talked about this quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. It's just a matter of when. So there's still a, there's still definitely a sense of urgency. But I think, you know, over the holiday season, we can we can. Um, you know, take some time to care about some people that we care about and actually show them that and do all our nice holiday things and have our visits and, you know, maybe buy some presents, maybe don't buy some presents. You know, I, my, one of my other gifts to the listeners this week is that I'm not going to do a show about how you should never, not buy anything for Christmas. You probably don't need to, um, but do what makes you happy one day a year. <laughs> um, so maybe think about not buying someone, but the, the show's not about that. I think what's really is just more important is to, you know, while we while we have to be aware of the sense of urgency, and, and there's a lot of people who they're missing the urgency. They just say, oh, we're going to win eventually, so it's not urgent. Yeah, we need to get the message to those people that it is, in fact, urgent. Uh, as you were saying uh, with the mitigation uh, yeah. conversation, <laughs> uh, I think a couple weeks ago, but... I do think that we can remind ourselves and take a little bit of an opportunity to just... We're going to win. Stefan, we're going to win. Yep. 
uh, we yeah the of course winning slowly is the same as losing as we mentioned last week. I feel like we're just giving our listeners completely different, wildly different information every week, and seeing and seeing what comes out of it at the end. Well, no, but it, winning slowly is the same as losing. That's true. Right. But but I think like they're, they're winning has to seem possible before you can you can you can muster up the energy muster to try. up the energy to do it right yeah. because I think honestly like well winning is winning slowly is the same as losing is the message that needs to be brought to the things like governments and oil companies and like no 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 that thing you're proposing that's half of what I asked for is not viable that that's I think where that message applies but as far as the you know if you're in this this state where man these problems just seem so overwhelming and I just I feel incapacitated by the largeness of them I think that's who I'm talking to with my winning is in fact not just possible but certain um, it's just the matter of timing but yeah. you know get off the couch we can in fact do this it is in fact possible mm. um, and and you know it's it's going to take all of us and it's going to take a lot of effort but get energized this mm. is this is the feeling so maybe use the holiday season to recharge your batteries yeah, there you go is that it yeah. well battery recharging is a, is one way to stay reusable batteries. Batteries. exactly yes. reusable batteries that's a way to stay uh, environmentally friendly over the holiday yeah. <laughs> the yeah the, well it's I, but I know, but I, I think sure. that's a really good point just to, to stick in about that thing. But there's that sweet spot, right, between assuming we'll win if we don't do anything, but also not trying at all. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, somewhere in between don't worry, we can win and winning slowly is the same as losing. Somewhere yeah. in the middle of there is the there's sweet a sweet, spot. Yeah, exactly, a sweet spot yeah. of, of, of getting up and doing the thing uh, without having to worry too much about the... Uh, the rest of what's going or on, or thinking it's all up to you as a as an individual, right? Right. We all have to do our part, and that, and I think that's another thing that we can take from that, that from the reference I was making about the Roy Moore race, right? There was a coalition of, of people who didn't even necessarily coordinate, but they were just like, I don't know if this is it, and and I'm terrified that there's a good chance that Roy Moore can can win, but we're going to give it our best, and I'm going to get off the couch, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to vote, right. and it turns out it mattered, and it and it, and every vote mattered. It was a very narrow, yeah, it was win. twenty thousand by the end of it, right. I think. And so I think that I think that does actually provide a pretty good metaphor for that sweet spot which was you know voting next time is it wasn't good enough you had to vote today mm -hmm. had to get up and do it now um, but at the same point it is possible and and your individual action does matter I think I think that does provide yeah well accidentally a pretty decent metaphor yeah well I was gonna say and let's be real here a Democrat winning in Alabama was is is about feels almost as as difficult as climate change <laughs> uh, now neither of them feels difficult as trying to get good transit policy in in in, right. uh, in in Toronto, but that's a whole different matter. Other people might argue it's one of the signs of the apocalypse, but <laughs> it's one of the other. But that's not this week's show. We <laughs> would always hold on. We said we weren't doing that this week. Uh, so that's sort of my freeform topic for now. Stefan has been uh, uh, thinking about uh, his. I don't know what it is. We're going to come back, uh, but we're going to take a little music break, and we hope you enjoy this. Uh, well, we're taking a little bit of a lower key show this week. Uh, Megan, what do you have for us? And we are back. Welcome. We're now in the middle of the section of the Green Majority Radio Program. You might be listening live in Toronto on 89.5 FM. You might be listening on one of our wonderful and very appreciated radio partners all the way across the country. Uh, you could, in fact, be listening on the podcast, which is a way that we like because then we see you. Yeah. It's then nice. Know, then we know you're there. It makes a little number go up for us. And yeah. we go, wee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, those of you who listen while driving... Uh, while we still very much appreciate it, we have no idea you're doing that. Right. Yeah. So the, every time we a little listener goes up on our on our podcast, there's like a little thing of confetti that goes in. <laughs> like, but then because we're an environmental show, we like we'll have to walk around and pick up all the confetti and put it back in the machine for the next one. Yeah. So it's, don't it's worry. A, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but you know, it's we meaningful and, and fun. Which I think is sort of a lead into your to your topic, Stephanie. A little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, from the standpoint of talking about the the holiday season and sustainability and stuff like that uh what i what i was thinking about is actually just the requirement in the need for a complete cultural shift like what's interesting about the last you know 50 60 years um is the and, and it was started before that but really so ramped up after world war ii is this the amount of which and unsustainable practices have been built into the way uh, our particular culture experience I exists. I, like I, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a word for uh, as holistic as I'm trying to mean. Like I literally mean every single little piece of our lives. Um, Will the word you're looking for is Facebook. <laughs> um, and so, and so that I think is the is 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 what's going to start happening now. 
if if we're truly going to take sustainability seriously, we have to understand that it's not something you tack on to this world. You know, there's not a version of this world that exists today that just is also sustainable. You know, it, like there's no number of uh, solar panels you can put up in in anywhere to make up for the fact that we're still letting plastic run into our oceans. Um, you know, there's not enough uh, wind turbines to ensure that we are that the amount of actual biodiversity is is starts to increase. You know, there are there are way there are not ways in which this world that exists today just becomes sustainable. You you can, I think I had this point like three years ago on the show, which was that you actually could re, you could replace and separate uh, the idea of climate change from sustainability, because climate change has particular things you can do that, you know, we could run our entire thing on on nuclear energy. Uh, and yeah. that is, and that is, that, that will, that would 100% at least address the 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 carbon in the atmosphere problem, but is in no way sustainable. Right, <laughs> right. It's still a non-renewable resource. It still has a whole host of other issues. It, it, it and so, and so you could theoretically find a way to really capitalistically solve climate change. And I think if we had started in the uh, in the in the 80s. Uh, you might have seen that transition happen. You might have seen a world in which we actually were pretty good about clean energy. That was actually, and so climate change was something that we were managing, uh, but all of the other pieces remained super unsustainable. And I think where we're at now is that it's so late in the game um, that I, I feel like it's almost now requires a complete cultural shift. There needs to be all a, vi a bunch of different parts of sustainability have to sort of be advanced forward at the same time. Uh, which will fundamentally change how we, how our day to day lives are lived. Like it'll fundamentally, it will force people, hopefully, and it will it, it will force people to fundamentally question what the good life is mm -hmm. uh, and what are what are the goals of our culture. Because um, like, what a, a vast, vast, vast percentage of our culture is entirely right now um, paid for by advertising. Like almost all media now is just advertising or is paid for by advertising. Mm. And so, you know, the all of these little pieces of this that, uh, like, if the fact that I have to sell you something is the only way that I get to make art, uh, that is not that is not a conducive environment for art. Mm. <laughs> um, and and so I think the so that's the struggle I think we're going to experience is that we're not just going to be trying to sort of get people to do certain actions, which is in itself difficult. To shift everyone towards more single practices from a standpoint of just trying to convince everyone to do anything is hard. You know, right. like if we just wanted everyone to switch from blue bins to yellow bins for any reason, that logistically is still difficult, even though it is, even though they'll have no other attachment to it. Mm. But when we're, when the pitch is, hey everyone, we want you now to live in a world in which you have less stuff uh, and, and that, the like the hallowed days like Black Friday or Boxing Day or all of these things we've built up in our culture that are literally just go buy go buy the thing you can afford you can afford it today because it's on sale um, is that's the problem right you're literally taking away a big part of how people live um, and that's an entirely larger question. Well, I think it's important to add the the rest of the sentence there, which is we take something away and give them something different, um, because we have to switch that thing. So like there are pluses, but as it, what I think you're trying to highlight is the idea is that people are so attached to the current reality, and it's the entire way in which they de define value and joy and 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 reward structure is all geared is all is all entangled into that system, and so the initial reaction is you're just taking stuff away from me. And I think what we want to talk about as well is that well, what we're doing is we're, we're, we're taking this away from you and giving you something else. But the trick there is that you, is that is to actually like, you know, rub the steam off your glasses for a minute and see the value of the thing that it's being replaced by. Yeah. Yeah. You have to sell the thing. You, you can't sell someone the need to give up something. You have to sell them the thing they're getting. Right. Uh, but, but that, again, that, that to me actually is that some, is this cultural piece is is perhaps one of the the harder um, elements of this shift that's required because 
general cultural changes require generations. You know, there are like it takes a generation of people to sort of co- to grow up with different um uh different experiences, different different uh values, different uh sort of I'm trying to think of the word for, you know, like rituals almost, you mm-hmm. know, like the mm-hmm. things you do as a kid that you then sort of let yourself off for, for the rest of your life, because it reminds you of being a kid and that's why you do it. Right. There's like, I feel like I'm sure there are a whole bunch of people who are there. I know when I like, when like I, I still strive to not eat beef and pork. Um, and, but there's one particular dish from my childhood that I'm still get to eat. And I, and I, and then that is, will, will remain. Um, and because I have no intention of not ever not eating that. And it would take an entire generation for someone not to have grown up with that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to then have to not have done that or, you know, Christmas to me still is an experience of receiving and giving presents. Mm-hmm. Um, and a Christmas that was, uh, entirely present free while being very sustainable would def would feel differently. And, and, and that is an actual cultural shift that you have to, you have to create, right? You have to, you have to make something happen that, that asks people more. Mm. Um, and you, and I, I do think the version of a future in which, you know, in which you are renting and sharing more and where person, where lived experience is the, uh, is sort of the thing that's most often being paid for, right? You know, I think experience is is the is the answer, uh, and I think that leads to healthier communities. I think that leads to to less isolation. I think there's like a lot of other, you know, I think it leads to general everyone getting along better and understanding each other better. And so there's a lot of reasons why I think I say a shift away from physical materials to experiences is important. Mm. It still just isn't the same thing as giving someone like if 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 you if 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 your and your family's love language is I'm going to give you a gift. It's nearly impossible to convince the person not to do that. Like that's how they want that's how they communicate their affection. They want to give you something. And and so and and often that something is not going to be something that they don't feel comfortable making it. You know, there's not there's this is, there's there's it's going to be it's going to be difficult to convince them to even do anything beyond what they've done always, which is I know I saw that you liked this thing, I'm getting you this thing and and that is how I communicate my affection to you. And that's such, it comes from such a noble place that I think that part of it is why it makes it so hard to change, mm. right? Is that it's like, I'm, this is how I convey my own love for my friends and family is that I purchase gifts uh, for them or, or whatever. And that, that centralness of the fact is, makes it so much more difficult to, to change. Because then you're really, you're really telling them that to to not show you care or or to find an entire other way to do that, and or that thing that makes you happy hurts people. Yeah, yeah, that's, which is that's the, a yeah. horrible message. Yeah, exactly. It's but, true, but it's horrible. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a <laughs> serious reality. Um, like everything that almost everything that makes you happy probably hurts someone, uh, just because of how bad society is. But this is a fun show, but not it's, a sad show. But it's no, but the, the but the, the 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 real important point there is is that that is true because of the system that we're operating. Right, with. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's true because of this sense of private ownership and and capitalism and and this is mine and that's yours and 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 the word that I like for the thing that you're describing is 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 often confused for communism. It sounds similar, but it's mm-hmm. not the same thing uh, because it's not political. It's a it's a mindset which is it's a mindset that can inform political structure, but it's not in itself a political system, which is communalism, mm-hmm. which is uh, the sort of you know we have these ideas like we're saying like there's these sort of capitalistic hybrid versions of that when we talk about things like ride sharing um or the toronto tool library is still like i would say significantly many steps uh closer to even that the idea of i'm not going to buy a hammer i'm going to go borrow a hammer and when i don't need it you're going to use it and someone else is going to use it but these are all still like incremental steps in that direction that's not true communalism you know something like true communalism might might live like you know essentially something i've talked about quite a bit which is this idea of where like there's and it ties in with this thing of automation where most people's jobs are going to be phased out over the next decade um and it just there's going to be a point when it's essentially forced on us 
because there's not going to be anything for anyone to do. Uh, so what do we do with all these people? Well, arts and science and, and learning and, and culture and the, all these things. We don't need jobs. So it's it's but but our entire people say, well, that's crazy because our entire you know human experience is centered around that. And we're like, yeah, it's a problem and it's going to change. So you know, 20 years ago or whatever, people might have been. And I've read books by people who wrote well over 20 years ago who were espousing these types of ideas. But it, I think at the time it was like there wasn't a any and there wasn't a sense of inevitability about it it was more like hey here's an alternate system we could use and most people go yeah okay nice but now we're talking about it in the sense of like no 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 it's is coming right. <laughs> it's it's how do we do we do we adapt to it or do or does it adapt us hmm. right do we create a system where we don't actually require where the where the entire human experience doesn't require everybody to have a job in the sense that we currently think about it not a job at all but like a, a con contribution to society that isn't necessarily in the format that we consider current jobs or do we just end up in a world with massive poverty because 90% of everyone's out of work and and we have this uh, I forget that movie with with Matt Damon or whatever but the like starship oh, that hovers yeah. above the sky where 5% of the population lives in abject luxury Elysium Elysium I knew an E uh, and everyone else lives in abject poverty making the robots that go and shine their shoes yeah right so like that's that's those are the options <laughs> we're going to be in that world do we want the Elysium universe or do we want the Star Trek universe, which is essentially nobody has actual jobs. People have contributions that they give to society and, and essentially most things are are free to use and share, generally speaking. Well, and I think the the important uh, one of the important pieces to pull out of out of that is this 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 idea that where we currently are as a society with even these, you know, with the idea of jobs uh, and the idea of making money. Um, is and the idea of literally what do you do with your life like that like that we, we people stopped at some point asking the question what do you do with your life with our lives because the answer was you get a job you make money then you die uh, like at some point the, the death and taxes the only two certainties <laughs> like the only the well unless you unless you're on the Panama Papers and it's just, <laughs> just death um, the but yeah but so the so the, that's the thing though right is that there's a entire conversation that has to be happened that has to happen about what what to do with your time what to, what does our society decide our time should be spent doing uh, because our current system uh, as 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 vi I think one of the the, be the best example of of, of, of of this or one of the good examples of, of what our current system does when it interacts with other systems that don't understand this is is the consistent move whenever um, indigenous uh, populations had caribou get uh, I've mentioned this show before, but whenever whenever Dutch populations were to lose their caribou, because they would put in pipeline and they reroute, it would reroute them. Uh, they would get they would get money to pay them back, and they'd be like, okay, well, we cost you your livelihood, so here is money to buy things, and that was the that was the idea, and that fundamentally didn't work. Like it was just like it was just such a it, because like that was a the role of a hunter was a cultural part of the thing that was what they were that was their that wasn't just their job that was their purpose to the society yeah exactly so <laughs> just giving them money did not do did not fulfill the purpose part right and yet it was yet that is what our our capital society consistently decides is all that is court right it's like if I give you money then you have to be fine. Because that's how it's fine. That that that's you now have money. That's the point of society. Therefore, you're good. And that's like not how our brains work. Right. Um, and so I think what's what's good about the sort of shift that's or the, that's that's both required and upcoming is that hopefully it will take us back out of that question. Right. It will it will it will it will no longer um, it will pull away the dominant question. Uh, being from being either how do you like basically to dominate two questions uh, how do you make your money how do you spend your money to to other questions you know like what do you what do you want to do like, what is the meaning of life what does it mean life what does it mean to be a good person literally any other questions what is art um, yeah <laughs> um, is this art uh, <laughs> that's the that's the only question I ever have am I as funny as I think I am? <laughs> there was a there was a great as an aside there was a absolutely great um, uh, I guess art piece, to be honest, set up during so Toronto has a thing called Nuit Blanche many years ago, or every year. Uh, and but many years ago, someone set up a hotline in which they could call in, and they would and the call in is called "Is this art?" And you would call and you just explain what you were looking at, and they would tell you if it was part of the art show or not part of the art show. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just called "Is this art?" Um, and like these are things we could be doing with our but lives. That, no, but, re but really, like like that's the, for me stuff like that. There's there's a really serious point. I don't know how seriously. 
meant that, but yeah. I really buy into that because like there's a whole thing where like once you actually, and the thing is like, we can only take the blinders off for a second because I think in a real sense, like our entire culture and our entire society in the way that you were talking about, like, you know, just handing this cultural hunter who that is their entire purpose, that is their contribution, that is their role in their society, giving money doesn't do anything. I, I, I don't, I think we can only take the blinders off for a few minutes. Whereas like an evening, you know, an evening like Nuit Blanche totally works mm. uh, because, and what's really awesome about it is it really unleashes people in this completely unprescriptive way um, to just like create an experience for for other humans, but if you just said, okay, tomorrow there's no jobs and Nuit Blanches every day, <laughs> I people wouldn't know what to do with themselves. They'd freak out, right? So, Scotia Banks Nuit Blanche for the year, <laughs> <laughs> New Year. Um, but I think, but really, that's but those sorts of expressions that come out in these little controlled bursts, I mm. think that is a window into what that future is. Imagine that you really could just like, it's Thursday and I have a beautiful image of this sculpture that I want to create that I think would really create some value and, and make people think about this deep philosophical issue that's been on my mind. So I'm just going to go do that. That's a world I could enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And and, and, and so and the fact that that is you know just so much not a thing now, right? Like there's just not even, there's not, there the idea even that there. It, to me, it almost feels like even just artists don't exist, right? Like even even just like even people who are you know the sort of the the classic just what what they actually do is art uh, seems such a luxury that uh, that you know most of the artists I know are also bike couriers, uh, and and because like that's the way they get by, and mm. and and that's it's good. To, it's good, I guess, to have a way to get by as an artist, but that's not a solution. Like, I would rather them doing the art all of the time. Um, but that's just not the society we live in at all. And and so I think if as we're heading up to our music break, uh, I think if I can I can leave uh, people with anything from this twenty minutes, it's just that this this shift towards sustainability. Um, really requires us to ask some fundamental questions. Uh, specifically, the most fundamental one is is what is the purpose of life? And like that's there's like, and like that's I, I don't that's forty two exactly yeah like it, it feels I guess the question feels so like ridiculously big like it's it's a it's a question that feels unreasonable to even try to answer and it feels unreasonable to even pose but still I think that's actually what's at heart here I think what actually I I fundamentally believe that the shift towards the most sustainable world is uh is going to be so ruinous for our current society mm. that if we don't have an answer to that question then we're not actually then we aren't trying to sell anyone the next thing we're right. just we're just trying to convince everyone not to have this current thing and like a lot of the show is, is complaining is complaining about the current thing being bad uh, but I do think there's actually we do have to start really thinking about what the next thing it looks like right uh, and and how fundamentally sustainability actually will change that yeah and I think yeah and, and absolutely I, I strongly agree with that <laughs> um, and I think yeah my tack on point was as I was saying earlier was just that yes and it's going to be inevitable and we have a choice as to whether or not we do this gracefully and 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 reinvent ourselves as a human society or or if we end up with Elysium <laughs> which uh, is not a movie I'm necessarily endorsing but if you it, it, it's it, not a bad movie it's not a it's not, it's not a terrible movie, movie. but yeah. I think it's I, I think what it is is I think is it is a highly pl plausible realistic in the fork of time hmm. uh, if if you're into that sort of thinking about timelines and that sort of stuff uh, if you're a sci-fi fan like myself or just uh, enjoy back to the future uh, that sort of sense of that timeline thing that that's one of the splits right that's that's sort of world is the sort of world we could live in, but it is not the one we have to live in. That's the one we end up living in um, uh, with sort of the most extreme uh, disproportionate allotment of sort of wealth and access to things um, that are needed, actual things that are required for mm. human beings uh, is one of the outputs, um, but some sort of massive change is going to be coming. Um, and I think it's up to us at this point to recognize that inevitability um, and plan for it. And and I think it, it's going to be something that looks very unrecognizable to our current system. Even if we don't know what that is, mm. I can guarantee you it's not going to look anything like capitalism uh, because capitalism requires consumption and that's the problem <laughs> right there. Okay, so let's, uh, we're going to take the break there. I haven't entirely decided what we're going to do in the last section, but Stefan, I kind of feel like I just want to like brainstorm some, uh, a little bit, some some changes that we could make sort of near futurist to maybe get us in that direction. How does that sound? Sure. Okay, so we're going to do that. Megan's going to buy us three minutes here to come up with some ideas while we go to our wonderful music break. Thank you for listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT or our wonderful partners or the podcast. We'll be back in just a minute. 
All right, we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on this special freeform holiday program. We've got about 15 minutes left. And Stefan, what I was thinking about was um, uh, my roommate and I are currently using one of these local farmer food box programs. Uh, yeah, they're great. And uh, it is great. And I, and I like the fact that... Um, you can um, you can switch around some of the stuff in your box, but I also like the fact that we frequently forget to do that and end up with a bunch of things that I'm a chef by profession, mm-hmm. among other things, and uh, and uh, you know and often we'll get stuff. So I, I enjoy a challenge, but we'll often you know forget to make the adjustments and get some stuff and like I don't even I don't even know what to do with this type <laughs> of squash. Right. Yes. And then we just figure it out. There's like there's this third kind of beet that I was not aware of existed. Right. <laughs> uh, um, you know, or, or squash that I had to like look up what it was and, and oh yeah, and do that. Like, is this soup? Should I bake it? <laughs> but it's fun, and it and it and it's a it's a fun little project for me when I have time to to do that. Um, but what it was making me think about, you know, we're talking about this like cashless future society, um, was the idea that you know we have uh, as as you uh, mentioned to me over the the break, um, was it that you know we're we're doing uh, some sort of minimum income program? I actually haven't been following it. I don't know if you know more about. What is this is a basic the, income pilot being run in Ontario? So, okay, yeah. And so what I was thinking about that was like, you know, what if we what if we went one step further, just did it as a pilot program, it would just be a small project, it would really just be as like one of those like cool things. You know, it wouldn't it wouldn't be very expensive, you could say start with a 1000 people, but here's how it would work. And then and then Stefan, you can tell me if you think that there's any flaws, or if you have any, sure. maybe you have a plus one, maybe mm-hmm. you, have a, you want to add to my idea, we'll see what happens. But here's what here's how it would work. Uh, you would uh, say, hey, we're going to try this program where um, it's like an extension of this minimum income where we're going to skip the middleman. We're going to cut money out of it entirely. We're going to have people apply with uh, a project that they would like to do that contributes to society in some way. Crazy open-ended. They could be an engineer and maybe they want to help uh, build something. Maybe they have a technology. Maybe they're maybe they're you know retired. Uh, a scientist or engineer of some type, they want to do something like that. Maybe they're maybe they're an artist. Maybe they really want to do something. But you would just apply and say, I have a way in which I think I can contribute to society, and and I you know need my basic needs met. I need to have a roof over my head. I need access to clean drinking water. I need food, but I really don't need things. And so you would apply to this program, and you would you would put in your submission of of the thing you would like to do, and it would maybe be a thing over say a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so if it, we were an artist and it was a smaller project, maybe you'd do a number of small things. Maybe if you're an engineer and it was a big project, maybe you'd just do one thing, but something that would take you about a year. And what the government would do is they would, and of course we'd have to work out the details, but uh, you know people would apply and say you'd pick a thousand people across Canada to do this. Uh, so of course it would have to be a federal program. Uh, but I think I think it, this sort of thing would have to be done at the federal level, um, and it would sort of be a pilot. We just see what happens. And what you would do is you'd supply them with food boxes. You would the government would just pay the a food company, but you'd have food sent to their house. Uh, you would find some way of housing them. Maybe maybe you'd give them access to some sort of public housing opportunity. Maybe you would just cover their rent. The details could be worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but essentially, the idea was cut out the middleman, cashless interaction. People receive from the government their living requirements and what they would do in exchange for that is a project and here's the part because that's going to sound people like that sounds like communism. Uh, here's the part that makes it communalism. They are going to choose the way in which they um, contribute to society and we're just going to try it for a year and just see if we can uh, do some thinking about this maybe some really wonderful things happen. I think that there really is a lot of um, really smart people out there who are just struggling to find a way to contribute th- in society because of this whole job structure. I'm sure there's some beautiful artists out there who have wonderful work that they just can't afford the materials or they can't find someone who wants to pay for it necessarily because there's not really a good commercial application, but it, there's a lot of like really deep con- contributions there. Uh, maybe some people just don't like having bosses. I know mm-hmm. I'm uh, uh, someone who likes to work largely independently. It's yeah. <laughs> not that I don't like the, having a boss, but I don't like, you know, I don't like being in this like rigid system, I like having a little bit of freedom to move. Maybe an artist of a kind, mm. um, and this would some, be something that would appeal to me. And I just think that we could try it. And I, and I think I don't think that program would then you know be scaled up massively immediately. But I just think that the exercise of going through it and just seeing what happens uh, would be a really good learning experience for all of us to see what kind of human potential is there when we disengage from that that commercial system just for a few minutes and really it's not a true disengagement right because really you're just you're just moving it over to the government and taking care of it mm. but that experience of having someone just having their basic needs met and being unleashed 
uh, to just give back to their community or give back to their country or c contribute to society in some way. I think that experience for them would be an extremely interesting learning experience. Maybe the idea sucks. Mm -hmm. Maybe we do that and we turn out that's actually a terrible idea. Well, but I think it's worth trying. Well, there's a that in some way was actually what the the Gatimovic program was uh, in, in in Canada for a very long time until Harper killed it. Uh, which was basically it was it was only for young people, uh, but in but yeah they would send young people in different communities uh, for three months stints, and they would they were given projects they already had, had done some projects specifically, uh, but it was a similar kind of idea. Um, I would say that I think the struggle I have with with the idea is that I I, I actively do I actively do think that, and I don't know I, and this is where I struggle is that I don't actually know how you. I don't know if it, where the cart and the horse are in this in this in this analogy, and that like uh, getting a thousand people to do that as a as a as a way of life um, is interesting. But I but I I don't know they'll still be acting in this world, right? I, I feel like it wouldn't actually. I feel like it would it would be hampered quite significantly by the fact that they were still in this community and like. Now you could do things if they were in someone like Toronto, where they where you'd start getting them a whole bunch of other memberships, right? Like, okay, you also get a you get access to the tool library, so you actually can get tools. You actually mm -hmm. get like you know they, you could do a thing where you get enough. Like it would be interesting. I don't think this infrastructure exists right now, but I would say that we're probably getting closer. Uh, who and I think with with it, with I would say maybe if with maybe 15, 20 years of time, you would actually potentially see a world in which you could live off memberships mm. like if you just had memberships to things like so I, a food library I was a kitchen a, library uh, yeah. a tool library exactly i was a, I, I, exactly like i was a, I was i was a tool library member i have uh i have the access to i'm getting a you know i'm getting a food box and um and then like two or three other things right like i have netflix um which is still like a massive sharing thing right like as much as as much as also a big corporation it also is just actually effectively making that no one needs dvds anymore and so everyone has this membership right it's, it's it, there's a level of which this is a similar idea um and and you just get like six or seven things now the difficulty, of course, the harder part of this is whenever you get into more disposable stuff. Like how do you know if I'm a sculptor, I can't rent clay. I need to own that clay because it's going to be a thing soon. Mm. Um, and so, and so that world. So, so there's obviously still some pieces of this that that need to be figured out. But I do think that the the need here is a is a is is, is a is is so holistic that it would be i i feel like i would people would struggle i think if in mm. in the sort of the middle middle grounds and it, that's not to say it's not a worth worth trying but i, I and it, i think it's i think it's that the the places where this has worked and things like this have worked have been actually in when it's been more community based mm -hmm. when it's been space areas like i think you know if a particular ward in toronto was like okay let's just see how many things we can start providing for each other it's like when you know the, re the there's a reason why communal is is in communalism, mm. uh, you know, is that is that it works when people are all sort of pitching in together, right? Those mm. are the, the those, like what we time and time again we see is that the more that people are collaborating and working alongside one another, uh, the the more the easier it is for them to reduce their consumption. Uh, the easier it is to do reduce other stuff. It's, it's it's no surprise that as capitalism has strengthened its hold on society, um, the you've seen the 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 increase of individualism as well. Mm -hmm. Because in capital, like being able to buy stuff is the is the version of finding. It's based on the co concept of private ownership. Well, yeah, private ownership, but also, but but also, it's it's it allows you as an individual to get everything you can want without having to talk to anybody. Right. Like it's 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 like you know it's like the peak capitalism is is I feel like is is the person who's able to buy everything without ever speaking to anyone. You know, you, you we're getting closer to that every day with the amount of things like automat automated um, checkout centers, like or just everyone or like there's if you live in like New York City, you can just Amazon Prime basically everything within a day, and you never have to go shopping at all. You're just you just open a locker and the stuff you have you ordered is now there. Yeah. You know, like the number of ways that we're moving towards a a society of hyper hyper individualism where you don't have to speak to anyone you don't choose to, mm. um, to is is 
is is going to is all is going to cause some severe problems right. in terms of when we actually try to sort of address try to actually sort of make a more sustainable world. So here's an amendment. I don't know if it's instead of, but maybe here's another version of that idea: yeah. is that instead of a thousand individuals, you could pick five communities, and the communities themselves could apply. Right. For instance, so it'd be like maybe a small town, or maybe it'd be a ward within a city, or something like that. I think the logistics there gets trickier because you'd have to get buy-in from from enough you know, critical mass of people or whatever. But I think that, I think that's another version of the idea that could, could possibly work. Yeah, yeah, and and, and I think, but I, but I think to to make it really possible, and I think what is actually I think finding ways to really spread the this 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 model of things like the tool library, right? Like uh, things things like the Toronto Tool Library um, or any tool library anywhere really, um, and and the sort of sharing community hub combo um, that that piece I think does. That makes the world that we could live in visible, I think, right? Mm. Like, I think once you start living, it, 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 it's such a tangible experience of what a sustainable world could look like a little bit more, or a slightly more sustainable world um, could look like, that I think that is perhaps the most powerful driver. Like, if I was going to try to expand uh, sort of a move towards holistic sustainability, I think that the real the, the, so there are some serious serious opportunities to do so from the idea of hubs and um, and and giving people the opportunity to buy out of the system, right? Like mm. you can le- you don't have the here. Yes, this is yes, but here's an alternative one that exists alongside it right now, where you can where you get to hang out with people and make stuff and you know like that's the, the the fact that the Toronto library would allow you to rent the tools and it has a maker space where you could actually build build someone something for uh f- for the holidays or as a gift instead of buying someone something um is is huge and and that's doesn't even that's not possible for most people uh without without themselves then consuming like 16 different things to buy all the tools to build the thing right there's like it's an actual way out and i think th- supporting these kind of ventures um is the way is a very strong way to get people to sort of move towards a better, better place. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, maybe there's a millionaire or billionaire out there uh, listening. Uh, probably billionaire. I think this would be very expensive. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, Super. If there's expensive. any billion or trillionaires out there listening, if the uh, Koch brothers happen to be listening uh, yeah. right now, and and it turns out we had you all wrong the entire time, and want to uh, lend us the money to start a very very small country <laughs> uh, where we could just impose these rules across the board, and then invite people like, hey, here's this system about how this small little you know twenty thousand person country works, and uh, come give it a shot. Yeah. And then you really do it. Yeah. No, I think and I and I think you've identified some of the real challenges not only to the the with the idea itself but also how to move from one to the other but I, I the, the the thing that I think is worth still thinking about is is even if none of those specific proposals that I think we need to start trying this shoe on right is yeah. really I think where where my head was at on that one um, we are basically more or less out of time, we are um, out of time. I want to invite you maybe Stefan to uh, we are gonna we're gonna be continuing to do shows through the holiday but we have like 30 seconds here uh, I will give you this opportunity you'll get another opportunity next week if you have a holiday message for the listeners uh, make people things. They'll like it better, mm. and they'll keep it. True. All yeah. right, that's good. Thank you so much to our listeners. Thank you to Stefan. Thank you to our tech, Megan, today. And thank you to everyone, everyone out there, everywhere, even if you're not listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you have a great <laughs> holiday. And like Stefan said, try something. Just think about it. All right, have a good, great week, folks. We'll talk to you soon.